0: Your glory here among us. Great is our hope. Uh, I very clearly am not Friar Nick or Friar Rick and I apologize if this isn't what you're used to um, but I promise when, when Friar Rick asked me to give this reflection uh, this weekend he, he said please keep in mind the uh, Franciscan spirituality when it comes to preaching so I'm going to keep this to like a tight 45 minutes for you Okay? <laughs> Okay, you laughed. Good. We're good now. All right. I want you to, so this is the interactive portion. I want you to raise your hand. When I say this, if this sounds familiar to you, if this rings true to you at all, okay? If you recognize it, I just want you to raise your hand. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Has anybody ever heard that before? There should be 100% participation. Good. Okay. We know those words. We know those words because who taught us how to pray those words? Jesus did. Jesus taught us that when we prayed, that we should pray those words. Well, if Jesus said it, it's gotta be true, right? Right, he's not a liar, he's true. So if we know it's true, what does it mean? Well, when I hear those words, I think we can hear three things that are very true, that we, that we know are accurate. There is a kingdom, that God has a will, and that those things should be here on earth as they are in heaven, right? That's we can all agree to that. So, a kingdom, heaven is real, and it's the perfection of God's love for us and His desire for us to be with Him forever. He has that will. There are things that God wants from us, right? I think that that's a a, a theme that we see all throughout Scripture. There are things that God wants for us and he is hopeful that we will adhere to those things because of his deep love for us. And that he wants those things to be here and now. It's not something that should be delayed. And how do we know that? When, when we think about God when we think about heaven, what's the things that usually come to mind? I know when I was younger I thought that God was like cosmic grandpa with his big white beard, looking down at us, making sure that we're being good, and that heaven was puffy white clouds and golden sunshine rays and uh, fat little babies with wings and harps, That was my view of heaven. But today, if we pay attention to what we hear in the book of Revelation, our first reading, we get a very clear picture of what it looks like. We see a great multitude which no one can count from every nation and race and people and tongue. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation comes from our God, who is seated on the throne and from the Lamb. And we see angels and the heavenly hosts and all of creation worshiping God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving, honor, power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So maybe we don't know exactly what it looks like, but we're getting a little bit of a glimpse into Heaven when we hear that reading in Revelation. But we do know who the Kingdom of Heaven belongs to. Because Jesus makes it very clear in our Gospel. And what does He call them? He calls the people who the Kingdom belongs to, blessed. And as I was thinking about this scripture today, I kept hearing, what's the, what's the first thing you think about when you hear the word blessed? Maybe it's not a what, but it's a who. I think of his mother. Right? When we hear the word blessed, we call her the Blessed Virgin Mary. And when we pray and we invoke the saints when we pray, we use that word blessed. So when Jesus sees these people that he's referring to when he gives this teaching, this historic teaching, was called the Sermon on the Mount. He calls them blessed, so when he's looking at them, and he's calling them blessed, he sees them the same way he sees his own mother, who he loves more than anything. There's no distinction in his eyes between these people who we hear, those who are poor in spirit, those who are mourning and who are meek, those who are hungry and thirsting for righteousness, those who show mercy, who are clean of heart, who are peacemakers, who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, who are insulted and persecuted, and every utterance of evil is said against them for Him. He sees them the same way He sees His mother. And if we're honest, if I'm honest, I don't know how well I fit into that mold. I don't know how much I'm persecuted. I don't know, for some of you who know me, a lot of you maybe don't, I'm not really good at being meek. I'm pretty bold and brash. Meekness isn't really my thing. I'm not great at, I'm not really that poor of spirit. Sometimes I'm I'm, I'm a pretty cheerful guy most of the time. So we know that these people have value in the kingdom of God. He calls them blessed. And if we're honest, if we don't fit in that description, we know that they're there. Because Jesus says that they're there. Maybe they're here with us tonight. Maybe we have those blessed here in the pews tonight with us. Maybe we see them out on the sidewalk on Salina Street. Maybe we see them in Wegmans when we're doing our grocery shopping. Maybe we see them in our places of work. Maybe we see them in our schools. Maybe we see them at our dinner tables and in our living rooms. These are the people that Jesus has placed priority on. I know that if I'm gonna bring the kingdom here as it is in heaven, I need to remember three things. I think we all should remember three things, service, selflessness, and sacrifice. This directly models how Jesus operated. I'm called to lift spirits. I'm called to comfort the mourning and support and strengthen the meek, to consume and drink righteousness with others, to show mercy, to be clean of heart, to make peace, to bring relief to the persecuted and the insulted, And those who iniquity has worked against, I'm supposed to be with them. But how? How do we do that every day? Because it sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? And I don't know, maybe it's because winter's right around the corner. I'm from Arizona. Snow makes me nervous every year. I'm just tired. How am I going to get all this work done that Jesus is asking of me? For me in my life, I do that first by being a loving husband and a loving father. Not a perfect one. I can't be a perfect husband and father, but I can be a loving one. I can be a selfless one. I can serve my family. I can sacrifice for my family. I know that because even St. Paul in Ephesians teaches me as a husband and a father to lay down my life as Christ laid down his for the church. So as Catholics we're called to respond to what the church calls the universal call to holiness. Friar Nick mentioned that a minute ago. But what is that universal call to holiness? This is the call that the church puts out for us to live holiness in everyday life. Holiness doesn't start and end when we come in and go out of here. Holiness is a matter of everyday living. St. Jose Maria Scrivas said this, There is something holy, something divine, hidden in the most ordinary situations, and it's up to each of us to discover it. We practice holiness. We live all of this out with every action, every moment of our everyday lives. Mother Teresa, we all love Mother Teresa, she said this, Not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. And I think that that's what perfectly encapsulates our universal call to holiness. Everything we do, the littlest things, be done with the greatest love. Sisters and brothers, the call to holiness is one steeped in intentional, vocational living. From the moment we get up to the moment we go to sleep, everything we do is an act of worship. Everything we do is an act of prayer. Everything we do is an act of selfless Sacrificial service to others. Our lives are not our own, but they belong to Jesus. And if they are indeed His, then they should be used for the things that He desires to fulfill His will on earth as it is in heaven.